You are listening to Artisan Adventures with FGG Designs. Join us on our journey as we explore the different worlds of wood carving, ring making, knife making, photography, pyrography, leathercraft, crochet, and paper art. This is episode 13, Getting Started with Woodworking, part 6. In today's episode, we take a look at some great projects that you can use to get started in this craft. We are looking at different projects, different ideas that uh, Sean has come up with to get us or anybody started with woodworking, things that he enjoys doing, things that he's gained and is gaining more and more experience in all the time. And and really, as I see his products, he came in just the other day showing me this spoon. And uh, like he mentioned earlier, he's chosen not to sand his spoons or his kitchen utensils at this point because of the added advantages of using proper cutting techniques to finely surface Mm -hmm. the product and how it will last longer as a result. And it it truly is amazing, Sean, to see that development, that cultivation of this skill, because that obviously is what it is over time as you gain more and more experience in these areas, to see the quality of these spoons increase. I mean, every time I look at these, I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is really, really nice. And then Next time around, you show me your improvement. I go, wow, you know, he can actually improve on what he did before. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just amazing. I, I really, that, that spoon you showed me the other day, I'm like, wow, you're, you're getting pretty close to a sanded surface. I mean, mm-hmm. there's still, uh, yeah, that's part of that, that quality. Mm-hmm. The evidence of your, your blade cuts. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, is one of the things that makes these spoons really unique. But, man, it is so smooth. Right. It is uh, even, you know, with the, as you touch it and feel it, it's it's amazing. But even the looks of it, it to me, it's very special. Very Thank special. You. I appreciate it. But there's one thing you just mentioned, which I want to comment on. One of the reasons why I don't use sandpaper, which was someone, I saw it on Instagram, I think, somewhere. Someone saying, well, they don't use sandpaper. It was, if something's been hand-carved, we shouldn't try to cover up the roots of where it was carved from. Like, mm-hmm. don't cover up the tool marks from what was carved it because mm-hmm. then it doesn't look hand-carved anymore. Right. I mean, we want to strive for perfection and make it as smooth right. as possible, but we shouldn't, you know, cover up the path that was taken mm-hmm. to, to get to where it was. So heaven knows what they call facets mm-hmm. is where each, where a tool cut meets another tool cut. It's like a diamond. Right. It's faceted. Yeah. And it's a little surface, flat yeah. surface where you've made your cut. And each one of those, if you were to try and get really poetic, I suppose, is a part of the story that carved that that spoon <laughs> each yeah. one is a, a mark that tool left behind right. in it and whoever owns that spoon from then on can see those oh this is the, the path the carver mm-hmm. took to get to where it mm-hmm. was and when you sand you're erasing all those and i personally don't like that but again if a customer wants something sanded then i'm gonna do what a customer wants and will sand something right but if i had my choice my preference i would just carve it with a knife because i like that yeah that having them facets again i don't want it to be rough and ugly looking right but I don't want to cover up, quote unquote, my mistakes in that sense as well. Right. I want to also be able to see the improvements along the right. lines as well. But yeah, that was just a little detour. Well, Sean, I think one of the first things I saw you making tons of when you came back from England was spreaders. You yeah. you, you seem to be very enamored at that 
particular time with refining the design Mm -hmm. of the spreaders, coming up with different designs and playing around with different things. Tell us a little bit about those spreaders. A spreader is, I would say, probably one of the best things to start carving if you want to start a project because it's they're quite small i mean averagely what maybe six to seven inches long Mm -hmm. and you only need potentially only need one tool which would be just a knife um you can make things quicker by using an axe it depends on what you're starting with if Mm -hmm. you're going to start with store-bought wood just go straight to the knife because you can cut it down to the size you want or if you're going to start with a log you can go with your axe carve it out of the log to a basic shape and then go to the knife from there Mm -hmm. but ultimately a spreader is probably one of the closest things to a 2d shape you can get right when it comes to carving it's basically two flat planes that go down and taper from one end to the other end mm-hmm. again it helps you refine almost symmetry in that sense because mm-hmm. again you gotta have you don't have to have but for it to look more what's the word i'm thinking of i don't want to say the word attractive again but more appealing more mm-hmm. yeah more symmetrical i guess mm-hmm. each side will come down evenly right so you won't have yeah the handle and then it tapers more to the left or to the right you mm-hmm. want to try and bring them down evenly so it's focusing, it's helping focus your eyes on that sy- symmetry and bringing each side down evenly and while keeping the handle bigger. So it's fatter at one end and it tapers down to a fine point mm-hmm. as it goes from the handle to the blade. But it's also the same on both sides. Right. So so basically it's a great starting project to help you develop a certain skill set in this area, would yeah. you say? Carving things to a point is always a good thing. A lot of people when you think of someone whittling in the woods, they're usually just carving a little spike mm-hmm. out of a stick mm-hmm. because I don't know, there's some sort of satisfaction with carving a point, I guess. And <laughs> it's, yeah, I and, guess so. And a, a spreader is, is the same. I mean, actually when I was in England, where my last job, my supervisor had an obsession with just carving spikes. He saw me carving as I'm going to carve and he just carved spikes out of broom handles. <laughs> um, but that's a different point. He just had an obsession with that. I was spoons and he was spikes. Yeah. But yeah, it's that it doesn't require much wood. So you're not wasting loads. They're, they're small. You can get away with using maybe a half inch piece of wood as the, gen, as the overall thickness. And then that will mm-hmm. be the, the thickness of the handle. And then it t- starts tapering down at the blade to make a more finer point for the, for the spreader. Mm-hmm. And again, you can go crazy with the design. As long as it spreads, it's a spreader. So you can go, you can have a chunkier handle, you can have a thinner handle, you can have a a swoop to the blade, you can have a straight blade. It's, there's so many different options. I mean, I'm just thinking of all the butter knives and spreaders I've carved over the years. There's so many different varieties in just the ones I've carved. Mm -hmm. So ultimately it's keeping the handle almost rounded and comfortable in the hand and then bringing the two sides down evenly to form a thinner blade basically. Mm -hmm. And is a great project to get started on. It's one of the first things. In fact, it was the very first thing I ever carved was this little knife and this gnarly looking piece of wood with knots all over it. And mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing, but it was the very first thing I carved was a knife. And it was actually Michael who told me, I said, what should I carve for the first thing? And he said, carve a knife. You're keeping that handle straight and then bringing the blade down evenly both sides. Mm-hmm. It's it's harder than it sounds. Oh, uh, yeah, I totally yeah. agree with that. So that's... I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say that was that's probably the first thing I'd recommend anyone carving. Because again, you only really need one tool. If right. you're starting from a log, you probably want something to split the log and then carve it with an axe at least. But if you're going to just go to any hardware store and pick up a, a piece of wood, you know, just anything that's like six inches long maybe two in two by six inches 
but only half an inch thick mm -hmm. you can carve a spreader out of that and you can just practice right and that's when what we spoke about earlier with the different types of wood maybe try a softwood to begin with if you're not going to mm -hmm. use it just try a softwood to get the hang of mm -hmm. of carving use bass or pine mm -hmm. something that's easy to carve and just aim for yeah keeping the handle round and central Mm -hmm. And then bring in the two sides of the blade down to a fine point evenly. And yeah. then from there, uh, the next thing I would recommend carving again, because you only need one tool with this really, mm -hmm. is a pendant of any kind. You can make a keychain, make a necklace. But again, this, you can have a little inch by inch piece of wood. Again, half an inch to an inch thick, depending on what kind of thing you want to carve. You can go crazy. Uh, wouldn't that be more challenging because it is so small or does it not make, does it allow for better control because it's small? What, what is the advantage of choosing a, a pendant as a carving project at this point if you're just starting out? I would say yes to everything you just said. <laughs> it is harder because it's smaller, but it's also easier because it's smaller. Yeah. So you do have more control, mm -hmm. but you have more fingers in the way when you're right. holding it right but again when you think of something you're going to carve in the woods most people tend to just to start with a right. stick and they refine it down and they've got mm. this little something rather yeah <laughs> that comes out of whatever they started yeah and again I, I think the reason i'm saying this is easier as well is more of just for the amount of tools you have to use it's okay. not as many stages right so i mean you can go as technical or as basic as you want i mean you can carve just a little heart out of a piece of wood and it might take you five minutes, but it's still a pendant. Mm -hmm. Or you can go more intricate and maybe carve a feather. Or, or I've been trying to do leaves in that lately where you've but got... But even a heart, uh, I mean, yes, it's a simple form. Right. But to get it nice and symmetrical, as mm -hmm. you've talked about, getting the form just right, if you want to make it a more curvy heart versus a 2D object, I mean, it would really help in that developing of your skill, right. but it can be very challenging to do that. It's not a simple thing. But uh, don't get me wrong wrong i'm not trying to discourage anybody from <laughs> trying it i th i'm actually encouraging you to try it because yeah. i think it is helpful in mm. learning those aspects of symmetry and, yep. and things like that yeah, it would definitely enhance your skill set um one a few pointers i can give you for actually carving anything something i i've only really just learned in the last couple of months is not try and rush steps i would always recommend anyone to draw their design on the piece of wood before they start carving it Okay. I know some carvers who do carve just completely freehand mm -hmm. and they have a basic shape in mind, but they don't draw it and they just carve it until it's what they want to finish with. And there's right. nothing wrong with that. Uh, however, when first starting out, I'd recommend maybe take some time to draw some stencils that you might want to design, like maybe draw mm -hmm. a, a spreader template and draw a couple of heart templates that you might like and transfer them to the wood. And the first step, it would be just completely trace the pencil line or pen line, whatever you use to draw it, mm -hmm. on the wood. So you'll be left with a very square looking thing, but it will be the same shape as the, the mm -hmm. object you want. So mm -hmm. once you've got that, you have your basic shape. And then one of the best things to do in carving is always think of do the corners first. If you're trying to cut along the, the flat plane of a piece of wood, it's going to be a lot harder than it is to cut along the corners. When you think of rounding an object you always basically want to cut where the two lines meet, like the right angle of the, the lines, cut along those to make a corner, and then cut along that corner that it makes, and then cut along that corner that it makes. And you're just building up these many little facets that eventually curve around the spoon or whatever it is you're carving over. So the tip I would give you is don't try and round it off before you've actually got the outline done. Okay. Because once you have the outline, you can look at the piece of wood and think, okay, this is already 
kind of the shape that I want, but this bit needs to, I need to take more off of this side. Whereas if you start rounding it first, it's too late. You can't take, mm. you, you might already be unsymmetrical and you'd be like, oh, I wish I didn't take that corner off now because actually I right. don't really need to take that corner off. So keep everything square as much as possible and just cut the circumference of whatever you are carving and then once you have everything you can look at it and play okay i'm going to take this corner down first and just work it in a method put a yeah put a method in your mind of okay i'm going to start with the handle Mm -hmm. get the handle the way i want it then i'm going to go into the blade okay all the while just looking at what you're doing every time you do it okay the handle it's a little bit too chunky on the right side i'm going to take a bit more off the right okay now the handle's okay let me work on the blade Mm -hmm. and once you have that basic shape start taking the corners away and start rounding it off as much as you can and it would be the same with a pendant so if you you'd want to draw, uh, do a heart, I'd say, yeah, find the piece of wood that you would like to carve on, draw the heart on it, and then cut it off the circumference of it, and then just start rounding the edges. So mm-hmm. you start cutting the corners off and then make it however you want. You can have, there's nothing wrong even with having a, a squared looking heart. Right. I mean, obviously it'll be heart shaped. And what, what I mean by squared is it's just almost too flat. Like you go into a hardware store and buy a piece of wood that's already been planed. It's just, it's square. So imagine a heart carved out of that. It hasn't got any rounded edges. It's just flat on all the sides but then you can keep it that way or you can start taking the corners off and making it more rounded mm-hmm. so it's just having that almost that method in your mind that the the progress you want to take along it okay i'm going to do this is step one this is step two this is step three and then step four will be the final product right and just work on those each step until you go on to the next one rather than trying to be going on to step two before you've really finished step one right and i'd always recommend yeah drawing a piece of the, the piece you want to carve first and then yeah, keeping it square and then finally going into rounding off and finishing it. Mm-hmm. Wow, that uh, you've you've really walked us through those steps um, masterfully, Sean. Um, I hope that our listeners are encouraged to uh, try uh, mm. one of these projects, and uh, you've certainly given them some great pointers. Uh, another one of those projects that you like working on a lot mm-hmm. are, I guess, spoons. Yep. What can you tell us about the spoons that you make, and why uh, would you recommend people trying out making spoons? The reason I've chosen spoons, is in, particularly in this order as well as the last thing on the list, is I would say a spoon is one of the harder things to carve. Again, you're coming down to using more tools. Mm-hmm. Again, you can you're more likely to want to use an axe at this point or a bandsaw you want to use another roughing tool rather than going straight to the knife you can do it with a knife but it's going to take a lot longer right whereas with like a spreader because a lot of the the lines are flat you could even use just a saw to cut the basic shape out with a a spoon you've got the bowl was round and then where it comes into the handle you've got quite a sharp transition so you want something really to rough those out as best as possible so a scroll saw or a bandsaw or what i use is an axe some people use different types of chisels or gouges but the way I'm going to talk you through carving a spoon requires three tools. Um, one of them, the first one being an axe. So it's splitting the log and taking it out. And I think I've spoken about why we split wood in a previous episode about removing the, the center part of the wood mm-hmm. called the pith because mm-hmm. that's where the wood would dry from. Mm-hmm. So any woodworking project you want to do, you want to remove the pith, which is the very, if you look at the end of a log, you have a small little circle in the middle, usually in the middle. Sometimes it's a bit off center mm-hmm. and that's called the pith. That's where the wood sucks all its nutrients from. And if that's still there, when the wood starts drying out, the, the pith will start cracking from that point because it's trying to suck nutrients from the wood and it'll dry out the wood too quickly and it'll start cracking. So you always want to remove the pith. And then from there, you would start, you'll have, hopefully when you split a log in half, two flat ends from the log. So then you can draw your spoon onto one of the flat ends and start axing around it or with a bandsaw, using a bandsaw to cut the basic shape out. Mm -hmm. And then you go over to your normal straight knife, which you would have been using for the spreaders and the pendants. 
And again, same rule applies. Just keep it square. Go around the circumference, keep it as square as possible the whole way. And then once you've got it that way, you can then look, okay, well, I need to bring the handle up on the back so it's more at an angle. Bring the bowl up at the back. Start rounding the bowl off so it's actually your bowl shape. Mm-hmm. You don't want a, a flat spoon. You want right. a curved bowl. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, start rounding the handle over so it's more comfortable in the hand. It's not spiky and sharp. Again, so it's the same rule applies to the spreaders and the pendants. You're just looking, once you have it square, looking, okay, what, where, do, where do I have to remove wood from? It's always about removing the wood. Right. It's okay, well, this is a bit chunky here. I want to take a little bit more off here. And again, if you just do one cut and then look, one cut and then look, just so you don't take too much off. And the place I tell you to do that the most is the transition from the bowl to the neck. That was the piece where I always broke spoons. <laughs> yeah. Because I bring it the right hand of the handle in too much. And okay, I've got to bring the left in more now. Oh, I've got to bring the right in more now. Bring the left. And then before I know it, I've got a toothpick. And it's just, it just snaps. Yeah. So it's definitely take your time when it comes to the transition from the bowl to the neck. It's the hardest part. And in my opinion, mm-hmm. and just do maybe one cut at a time and just keep looking. And then a good way to do it is also drawing a center line the whole way down the spoon. Okay. Because that helps you see, because sometimes it's hard to even see what side is off as opposed to the other side. And you're taking stuff off the wrong side because you think that's the one that's actually unsymmetrical. Mm-hmm. Whereas one thing I've learned is having a center line helps you realize, oh, it's actually this side that's off. So I need to bring this one a little bit more. And smaller cuts and fewer of them between each time you look at it helps you not go too far. Right. And then the last tool you'll need for a spoon is the the hook knife, which we spoke about in the last episode as well, which is the almost a C-shaped or a U-shaped knife, which Mm -hmm. is, or you can use a gouge, but I I didn't mention that last time, but gouge is also used in spoons. It's basically like a a U-shaped chisel. That you can use to gouge the wood out but i use a, a hook knife and a lot of the cuts on those are towards you uh, again it's that kind of potato peeler cut where you hold the wood mm-hmm. and you just sort of close your fist and you when you're closing your fist it's bringing the knife inwards towards you and it's just yeah like you're cutting a potato mm-hmm. and you just start carving that out as well so the reason these are harder is because you're using more tools and also there's more there's more angles that you're cutting in it. Right. It's not flat like a spreader. I mean, with a spreader, if you want, you can keep a square handle and just bring the blade down and it's still work as a spreader. Mm-hmm. With a spoon, there's going to be that that curve of the bowl. Mm-hmm. There's going to be the curve of coming into the handle. There's a lot of flat planes and there's a lot of curved planes. And there's a lot more tools that go into using it. So, And also, uh, as a spoon, and you've mentioned this before too, not only do you have the rough curves in the spoon, but uh, very specifically the bowl mm-hmm. that has to, f- to feel correct in your mouth. Right. If, if it's really clunky and mm-hmm. out of symmetry and things like that, it's, it's not going to feel good in your mouth. So you're just not going to use right. it. I'd recommend carving a cooking spoon before an eating spoon because they don't have to be as, as smooth as such. You're only going to be right. stirring a pot with it. Um, and it can be as basic as you want. If you look at a standard cooking spoon you get in a store, it's usually an oval shaped bowl with a long right. straight handle. Pretty simple. Yeah. So you could start with something like that. In fact, one of the first spoons I ever carved was pretty much that exact shape. I went mm-hmm. into the kitchen and got the cooking spoon we had and just traced it onto a piece of wood and carved it. And I'd recommend doing that to begin with because at least you have your template there and you can use the spoon as a reference as you're carving it. Like, okay, well, it goes this way. And once you've done that a few times and have that more confidence to expand it, try a different design or mm-hmm. again, not just... The thing about spoons is they are truly 3D. Whereas right. with a spreader and sometimes even a pendant, it can be quite flat and almost 2D looking. Mm-hmm. Whereas a spoon, it is different from all angles you look at it. So mm-hmm. it's not just have to 
be that spoon shaped you see from the top view, but from the side view as well, it has to have almost that, that Nike tick shape mm-hmm. where, you know, the bowl, if the bowl is flat, the handle comes up at 45 degrees or so where mm-hmm. it's, you hold it in your hand that, you know, it's not a flat spoon that when you try and right. get some soup, for example, you're going to struggle to get it in the bowl. Right. So it has that also that, well, they call it that, the crank where mm-hmm. it does that almost tick look. And how these these planes all go into one another has to be a quite a nice flow. It doesn't just want to have just, you know, one end and another begins. It has to be a nice flow. So so, so the geometry of a, of a, a spoon is not only important aesthetically but very much functionally right because if a spoon doesn't function properly because of its design Mm -hmm. its geometry you're not going to use it it's going to be a useless thing that can be thrown in the fireplace i would always always choose function over form yes because again something may look pretty but if it's not useful then you get it's just an ornament. Um, mm-hmm. And personally, the stuff I carve, I carve to be used. I mean, you can, we've given spoons to people as, you know, anniversary gifts or Christmas gifts and always been told, oh, it's too pretty. I don't want to use it. But <laughs> right. I, mean, I don't mind. Once I give a gift, it's yours to do with what you want. But personally, right. I, I would rather you use it because it's right. it was designed to be, to used. be used. So again, when you're thinking of carving your own stuff, I'll definitely carve stuff for you yourself to begin with and then use it. Right. And as you're using it, you think, hmm, this yeah this This works or this doesn't yeah and then you think okay well this bit was good i like this but maybe this bit needs more work and then you go into it and if you're anything like me and a lot of other spoon carvers you carve one and you just want to carve another because as you're doing it you realize ah i did that wrong but i know how to do it better next time (laughs) and then you just want to you're almost more excited to do the next one than you was to do that one right and i actually had a, a terrible problem when i was starting i never finished a spoon because I'd get halfway through one and be like, oh, I know what to do now. Put that to the side and go do another one. And then <laughs> I'd have this this drawer of just unfinished spoons. Spoon. And Elizabeth would be like, okay, just finish those ones first. And then, yeah. oh, but I don't want to. I want to do another one. No, but, you know, it was just like um, some friends of ours the other day, we were admiring some paintings that their son had made and they were they were very impressive Mm. but you could clearly see a progression Mm -hmm. in his development and his comment was uh, looking at one of them he saw his imperfections in in this one and he goes oh yeah when i look at the hands like that they're just you know they're just not what they should be and but my mom doesn't allow me to go back and perfect it because Mm. she wants to see the, the development and the right. growth and the progression in that development. And I think that's really a, a neat aspect yeah. of our developing our skills is to be able to um, go back. You know, I, I have my first knives yep. and they weren't meant to be, you know, a holden edge in that sense. They're not meant to be used per se. They were, they were meant to help me develop my skill and, right. and learn how to... Uh, to develop that symmetry and put on that edge and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's just mild steel. Uh, It can't be tempered. And uh, they look cool, but they're just, you know, in that sense, sort of collector's items. But they're fun because these were my first first, um, knives. And they were there also to sort of give me a sense of design and where I might ahead with my design. So it's cool when you can see that development. Well, Sean, these are great, uh, great ideas. Um, I'm sure that through time we'll come up with a lot more ideas to encourage people to work with. But uh, there's one more aspect that I think is important to mention. In in the safety and health uh, portion, we really never mentioned anything 
about safety in relationship to solvents and oils and things like that. And the main reason is, is because we're very focused uh, on food safe materials. And so we're not really dealing with chemicals and things like that that are are harmful. We're desirous of finding materials, uh, oils in particular in this case, to use for uh, covering your spoons, your right. spreaders, things that are going to be used at cutting boards. Uh, because at this phase in your development, you're very much focused on making uh, things that, that are used in the kitchen. Definitely. And uh, so because of that, there's an aspect of finishing. We, I think we've talked a little bit about finishing in the past, but uh, what are some of the specifics and important things to think about when, when using oils, especially if someone's going to say, hey, you know what, I, I want to try these, a spoon or a spread or something that I want to, to make to use mm-hmm. and preserve, what do I need to be aware of? All natural products, basically. That's only for, If you're going to use something for food, you want a natural product uh, to finish it with. Personally, you don't actually have to use any oil. Wood is okay. fine to use as it is, okay. but it would just deteriorate a lot quicker. So right. to protect the wood, you'd mainly want to use an oil of some kind. Um, but obviously to then keep it food safe, you don't want to use any chemical-ish, any, yeah, any food, any oil with chemicals in it. So a good rule of thumb is if it's in the, the food cooking aisle as an oil, you can use that as food safe mm-hmm. because if you can use it in your food, it's food safe. However, there are some oils that are food safe that may start to go rancid. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't recommend olive oil because olive oil can actually go rancid quite quickly. And even though it's food safe, it might start to smell. It might start to taste funny. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want that either. If it's, it's going to be an eating spoon, you don't want your spoon to taste bad. It's going to make your food taste bad. Right. I've done quite a bit of research and tried different oils through the couple of years. And the first oil I ever did, which is actually one of the best ones to use, I uh, don't use it anymore though, is walnut oil. And again, mm-hmm. you can usually find this next to olive oil and anywhere you have salads, usually it's quite mm-hmm. a, a common oil for salads. But walnut oil is another oil that they call it a polymer, polymer oil. Not to get too scientific here, but it basically when it dries, it polymerizes mm-hmm. and it almost coats like a film over the, mm-hmm. over the spoon. It's higher protection mm-hmm. and it actually cures. It's a curable oil, uh, whereas some oils like olive oil will never fully cure, which is why they go rancid okay. over time. The oil I use now is linseed oil or flaxseed oil, the same thing. Mm-hmm. And again, you want to be very careful with this because there's two types of linseed oil. There is unboiled linseed oil, raw natural, which is what we use. Mm-hmm. But the most common type of linseed oil you'll find is boiled linseed oil. You don't want that. That is actually almost poisonous they use chemicals to help the oil dry quicker Mm. and you don't want that so it's mainly just look into what you're using you don't want to use a varnish or a lacquer again because these are these got chemicals in and they're not food safe Mm -hmm. so any type of oil that you find in the supermarket will be fine however again you mainly want to stick to one that's going to polymerize right the best two are walnut oil and linseed oil linseed oil is harder to find then walnut oil. Walnut oil is very common to come by. And in fact, we had to order our linseed oil online because it was just so hard to come by, especially the very raw, organic, 100% pure pressed cold linseed oil. Right. So some uh, health food stores carry it. Yeah. Uh, you're generally looking also for a little larger size container. Right. And so you're not looking for the smallest size, but um, I, I remember we looked at some health food stores and mm-hmm. couldn't exactly find what we were looking for for the price because yeah. it's not necessarily cheap. We bought last August or September, we bought 
our linseed oil. We bought a 16 ounce bottle and I don't even think I've used a third of it yet. Okay. And good. I've carved 150, 200 items so far to use it for. Okay. So you're thinking a 16 ounce bottle is going to last you probably up to a thousand things. But yeah, so I would recommend staying away from anything that you know has chemicals in and look into it. And if you're ever curious, go on Google or something and type in, is this food safe? And they even do, uh, you like butcher's block, mineral oil, things mm-hmm. like that you can do right. on your chopping board. They'll be fine as well. Right. However, the reason I chose linseed oil is because like walnut oil, it's a polymer oil. It's a curable oil. So it does completely dry. And once dry, it's it it gives more of a protection mm-hmm. whereas things like mineral oil or uh, grapeseed oil olive oil they will never fully cure and right. that way they can go rancid and or they'll just wash off over time and you have to keep applying it whereas with linseed oil and one oil if done correctly they should last a lot longer can you recoat them later yep it's actually recommendable to recoat just like anything because if it starts to look old and worn best thing to do is give it a wash and give another oil and you'd be surprised at how much color comes back into it and how newer it looks already but when it does come to oiling one of the best things to do especially with linseed oil and walnut oil is heat actually helps cure it okay uh, so we have that solar cooker mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we use out in the backyard and i just every time i oil my spoons i try to do it by say 10 11 o'clock in the morning and i put them in our solar cooker and leave them out in the sun especially mm-hmm. in southern california mm-hmm. and by the time say or 5 p.m. comes by, they're pretty much fully cured. Right. I don't put as much oil as some do because the more oil, the longer it's going to take to cure. So sometimes doing a couple coats, couple coats of smaller layers is better than doing one coat of thick layers. Some people almost leave spoons in the oil overnight and then take it out, wipe the excess off, and then cure it. So there are different techniques. And again, I, I'm, I may even change my technique one day. It'd be interesting to sort of try one of both one of these days yeah. to sort of see what the difference is and how yeah. it comes out but i found so far is just doing a couple coats of a thinner layer so basically by a thin layer i mean i put it on with one paper towel and as soon as it's on i wipe off the excess right so it is as thin a layer as you can possibly get and then i i burnish it which is burnishing is a way of just basically flattening any fibers that may still be up so mm-hmm. for this i just use the back of a a metal spoon mm-hmm. and you just press it over the wood almost mm-hmm. like you're ironing it mm-hmm. and it just lays any sharp fibers maybe it just lays them down flat and it also helps retain the oil into the wood so if there's any open pores of the wood that oil has gone into when you burnish over it and just you again you're just almost ironing it with the spoon doesn't have to be hot so it's not as an iron as such but you're just doing that motion mm-hmm. of just using the spoon to press hardly onto the wood and it just it closes the fibers and it closes any pores and it closes it over the oil, which keeps the oil inside the wood. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I leave it out in the sun for a good five, six hours. And by the time I bring it in so far, we haven't had any issues with that. Yeah. So again, when it comes to oiling, especially if you spent all this time carving something, you want to look after it in the last stage. So mm-hmm. oiling and burnishing takes less than five minutes to do. Right. So just a thin coat of oil. Again, I use linseed oil. Thin coat, wipe it off the excess straight away and just go over it quickly with a a metal spoon just pushing those fibers flat and then leave it out in the sun mm-hmm. and again leave it overnight just inside that point to fully dry and then in the morning with another paper towel i just wipe off if there's any excess that might have they sometimes they call it sweating sometimes the wood mm-hmm. sweats out mm-hmm. the excess just wipe off the excess and then in the inventory drawer it goes and that's it great well this has been very informative sean thank you very much uh, one final thought that i have in relationship to preservation 
is uh, if you have a dishwasher, don't put your wooden Ooh, spoons yeah. in the dishwasher. Any d- wooden products should yeah. not go into the dishwasher. Yeah. Uh, you'll wear them out really quickly. Unless you want a cracked wooden spoon. Yeah, you don't want that. So take care of uh, your items, uh, be that either purchased or homemade, mm-hmm. and you can enjoy them for uh, a long time. Well, this uh, is now the uh, end of our episode on wood carving, the wonders of wood carving Mm. and uh, getting started in that field. We've uh, learned a lot. Uh, Sean, thank you for all the input that you've given us. You're welcome. It's been exciting just to see how you've developed, how you've gained the knowledge, and I just love the way that you retain what you learn. Mm. I pray that you'll continue to grow in this knowledge and your skill, and I'm seeing it all the time. So Mm. I'm excited. So we're going to draw this now to a close. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you have been motivated by today's topics to excel in your craft, but most importantly, to live for God's glory. If you have any questions about this episode, please write us at podcast at fggdesigns.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or visit us at fggdesigns.com.